is today? Today? It is Wednesday, my dude. This is gonna be great! <laughs> hey everybody, let's jump right into this. Okay, so if you've been listening for a while, you know, this we're coming up on the back end of uh, year two of doing this podcast devotional. Uh, I've talked quite a few times about Star Wars, and we all know I'm a Star Wars fan, right? Um, I have a Darth Vader statue a four foot tall one uh, with his lightsaber out in my office a lot of people ask too like you're a pastor why do you have darth vader in your um in your office and i'm like oh only the second greatest redemption story there is next to jesus you know mankind redemption darth vader redemption you know um call it whatever you want um I've been on the record for three years asking for a real Mandalorian helmet. I mean, not real. There's not a real one, but like a top-notch quality, awesome one. I even tried to have a guy who is a, uh, a fabricator here make me one. He's not interested. Uh, I don't know why he's not interested. I think it'd be good. Um, but three years I've been asking for Christmas, whatever. No one in my family is interested in getting me a Mandalorian helmet. Probably because I know I'm going to wear it a lot. Uh, I could just picture myself with the top down in the car, cruising around town, Mandalorian helmet. I'd actually, I'd like the whole outfit. That would be amazing. And then people would be like, oh, you like cosplay? No, I want to be the Mandalorian. What's so hard to understand about that? Which makes me think, <clears throat> you know what would be a good business? A part-time thing for me. I could become a real bounty hunter, right? Get some deals with some bondsmen. Right? So when someone doesn't show up for uh, court or whatever and they need me to go get them, I come as the Mandalorian. Because you imagine somebody's, uh, you know, like being chased and, and some uh, friends are like, hey, somebody's looking for you outside. And they peek through the window and they see the Mandalorian. That's some serious business right there. And then I could look up at them and they'd be like, <gasps> and I'll say, I could take you in warm. I could take you in cold. That would be amazing. It'd be great. Anyways, so obviously being a big Star Wars fan, I've seen all the movies. Uh, my first movie theater experience was Empire Strikes Back when I was just a wee little kid. Uh, so small that my mom had to hold the seat down with her, her leg so I didn't get folded up in there. Um, now, the OG Star Wars movies, we're talking 4, 5, and 6, as it turns out, they were fantastic. Uh, 1, 2, and 3 were abysmal. Uh, what many would call hot garbage, me included. Now, here's the thing. I know a lot of younger people, the younger generation, they like the prequels because that's what they kind of grew up watching. And I kind of get it, but even if my daughter, at a very young age, realized they weren't up to par. Now, if I, if I think about my experience with Star Wars... I think it's different, like the people of my age, our generation, that the, the first three were, um, came out, 
it's something we'd never seen before. Everything about it was different in like in terms of effects and the story. Like it was so good. Now the younger generation, they've seen all these special effects. Like they grew up with that. So it doesn't hold that thing where it's like something you've never seen before. So I think that's part of the reason. But the stories are also not good in the prequels. So let me tell you about Lola and her first experience with Star Wars. Uh, I was working from home for a week and uh, I had a big wall of DVDs. I had so many DVDs, make your head spin. And um, as I'm downstairs in the basement working on stuff, she came down with my box set of Star Wars, the original three. And she would ask me questions. Hey, who is this? That's Darth Vader. Oh. And she'd just ask. Then she'd go back upstairs. Then like a little bit, she'd come back down. Well, what about this? And she kept coming down over and over asking different questions about Star Wars. And I go, do you want to watch these movies? She goes, yes. Yes, I do. And I went, all right. So I made the time. Let's sit down. Let's watch Star Wars. So um, that was A New Hope we started watching. And uh, so we watched it all. I didn't really, I couldn't tell if she liked it or not. Um, but the next day she's like, okay, are we going to watch it again? So we watched Empire Strikes Back, which happens to be my personal favorite Star Wars movie. And again, after that, I didn't, I couldn't tell if she really liked it or maybe she was just like spending time with me. So she's going to tolerate uh, the Star Wars stuff. Like spending time with dad was good. So the next day I didn't bring it up that we would watch the third one. I just kind of went about my business um, uh, because we still had Return of the Jedi to watch. And she, she eventually came downstairs uh, and uh, she said, are we watching the other Star Wars movie? And I went, yeah. So we sat down, we watched it. And, and during that movie, she started talking about elements from the first two and she was putting it all together and, and she was into it, right? So after watching those three movies, she was hooked. Now, this was before seven, eight, nine came out. So I think we were in like 2014, 2015 around there, which would have, made, would have made her about six or seven. So a few weeks passed and I was on the road and I came back uh, home and uh, Lola asked, hey, is there any other Star Wars movies? And I had to kind of take a breath. I'm like, uh, and say, yeah, there, there's actually three other ones. Um, now, I didn't say, by the way, they suck, but I didn't really want to rewatch them because they're just, they're just, uh, you know, uh. um, but she was so excited to hear that there was more Star Wars movies. And, um, so she was like, when are we going to watch them? Um, now here's the thing. I have all the DVDs. I had them all because if you're a Star Wars fan, you, you, you own all the Star Wars stuff. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what makes you a Star Wars fan is, is you watch them because Otherwise, you might as well be a, a dirty Star Trek fan, you know? No, no kind of real loyalty or dedication to it. So, I had to explain to her what happens. I go, these, we watched three movies. We actually watched part four, five, and six. Now we're going to watch one, two, and three. It's called prequels. I, I was explaining the whole thing, but I'm explaining it to a six or seven-year-old, and she's just like, just, let's just watch the movie. Uh, fine. So we started watching uh, Phantom Menace. We watched it. She seemed like she liked it all right. You know, no complaints. I didn't notice her like losing it. You know, like, she lost attention a, a couple times, but again, she's six or seven, so it's going to happen. Um, day two, we watched Attack of the Clones, and um, we only made it about halfway through that one before she was like, I, I want to go do something else. So we paused it. 
And she's like, I just want to go play for a while. All right, cool. So then I did some work at home. We eventually finished that movie uh, that night. And the next day, I was like, are you ready for Revenge of the Sith? And she was like, nah, I, I don't really want to watch it. These movies aren't as good. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I know. And then I was even like, but this is where we see Anakin turn into Darth Vader. And she was just like, mm, I'm, I'm, you know, it's like you, you can't, you can only do so much. And, and I get it. And uh, I actually got a lot of respect for her that day for uh, turning down that episode because she knew that uh, those three movies are crap. Now, I think eventually, like, that year and the, the next year, The Force Awakens came out. We saw that. And, and ever since, she's been on board with all things um, Star Wars. She, she likes 7, 8, 9, which, I mean, it had some cool stuff in it, but there's mostly meh. Eh. And they're, they're, they're not great. They're fine. Now, Rogue One, when that came out, that was fantastic. I loved that one. And also, Solo is way underrated. I love Solo. So if you haven't seen it and you were going by what people said, that it was overrated or whatever, give it a shot. It's good. For real. Then, of course, we have The Mandalorian, the, the show, which is the coolest show ever produced, Star Wars or not. It's my fave. Um, so Lola and I, she's been with me watching every one of them, every episode of Mandalorian, Boba Fett, Obi-Wan. And then I want to talk about this now, and it is Andor. Andor is the newest Disney Plus Star Wars show. Now, Mandalorian was fantastic, A+. Boba Fett, probably I would have given it a C until the Mandalorian showed up and brought it back up to a B. Obi-Wan. I'm going to give a D because there was ridiculous nonsense going on that. It It's frustrating. Andor? Andor. Should be called Andbor. I can't begin to tell you how boring Andor is. Now, I've watched five episodes and every single episode... I've literally almost fallen asleep. I've definitely nodded off a few times in each episode, but I'm just, I'm trying to power through, hoping something, anything would happen. It is awful. You, you know the expression, like when someone says, oh, this is boring, it's like watching paint dry. Like that's, and or is more boring than watching paint dry. I was going to say at first that that will replace that saying. It's so boring. It's like watching Andor. But that is an insult to watching paint dry because that is way more exciting. Andor is so mind-numbingly boring. Five episodes, barely anything has happened. The first three episodes, like, okay, in the first ten minutes, I'll say, something happens. And then... The next three episodes is, I'm just going to do it, right? I'm not going to spoil it because you don't know what happens if you want to put yourself through that torture. But first first episode, 10 minutes, something happens. Then the next three episodes is like this. Hey, somebody's coming for you. Oh, uh-oh. Then the next episode, are they still coming for me? Yes. Then the third episode, they're really coming for you. But somebody can take you away 
to get away. And he's like, okay. And then the guy's like, I need you to do something for me. And he's like, all right. Then the fourth episode, we're going to do the thing. Yeah, but let's talk about it for a whole episode, but not actually do it. Then the fifth episode, we do it, but it's done boring. There's Andor so far. Turns out it's just a snoozeville. And bore. Speaking of snoozeville, let's get to our devotional topic of the day. I mean, the scripture I'm going to share is definitely not boring. It's definitely not boring. As a matter of fact, I love this verse because I have a lot of thoughts on it. But you're going to get the, re- re- the reference to snoozeville sleep type of thing, right? So here we go. Oh, and before we start the book of Acts, I want to give a little background to this. Acts was written by Luke, but it emphasizes the acts of Peter and Paul. Now, Peter took a leadership role in the church in Jerusalem, while Paul took the lead in kind of expanding the reach of the church to the Gentiles outside of Israel. All right, so we're all caught up. We're going to be focusing in on Paul today. And, uh, Let's read the scripture. All right, so we're going to go to Acts 20, 7 through 12. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where they were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eucatus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the man home alive and were greatly comforted. Okay, so my take on the scripture and the meaning, actually my first reaction to reading it in my own kind of way, because I usually read a scripture and if something is weird to me, I, I kind of come up with my own envisionment. Like if I was there, what I, what I would think with humor, right? I don't mean to try to make everything, but you know what I'm talking about. So this is kind of, so Paul comes to speak and teach um, to this group of people in some sort of house or building. I wouldn't think it was a house because there was three stories. I can't imagine back then people would have a three story unless they were like ballers. I don't know, but they were in a pretty big building because it had three stories. Now, Paul, I'm sure, was a good speaker. Obviously, he had a ton of knowledge to share, and um, seeing that he was going to leave the next day, he wanted to share and teach these people as long as possible, from dinner to midnight. Well, poor Eucatus, we don't know actually how old he was. He could be anywhere from teen years to his 30s, because Little known fact that I learned recently that you weren't really considered a man until you're like in your 40s. So we don't know how old he is. He could be teen to, teen to 30s. Who knows? So poor Eucatus had, had some food. We all had a dinner, good meal, and then started listening, watching TV. You know, we've all gone through this thing that got a little drowsy. So um, he had some food. He's listening to Paul's message and starts getting a little groggy. Sort of like I did during Andor. Little groggy, little in and out. And I, and I think it's funny too, because in the scripture, uh, Paul says, and it says here, seated in the window was a young man named Eucatus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. So 
I feel like he's like, he just kept talking. Woo, he was talking a lot. Um, so we have that. He's, he's had the meal. He's listening to Paul. Paul's talking forever. And he's sitting in a window and he's getting tired. And also, maybe if I'm, if I'm listening to someone and I'm getting a little drowsy, a little tire, tired, maybe I don't sit in a window. But anyway, he falls asleep. Boom. Hits the ground. Dead. Paul goes down there and he throws himself on the boy and says, don't be alarmed. Now, if that's me, I feel like I'm pretty alarmed that I was, I was teaching someone fell down and died, right? So I'm running down the stairs in my mind, talking to God, I'd be like, Lord, please let this kid be alive. Please don't let me have bored this kid to death. I'm doing this for you, Lord. Please let this kid be alive. But he's not. And, and I'm sure there was some pretty fervent prayer happening. And the young man lives. Like, God brings him back. Whew! If I'm Paul, I'm like, dodge a bullet there. Um, wouldn't be ideal to, to meet back up with Peter. And Peter's like, hey, so how did it go? And Paul would have been like, ah, this was fine. I don't, I don't really want to talk about it, though. Come on, Paul. I thought I thought you were going to be teaching until midnight. You had this big group of people in that building. What happened? And then Paul would be like, "Well, food was was great, man. You should have seen the spread that they had. I mean, we had all sorts of bread, some fish, lots of man seasoning on point. Uh, then you know, got a little late. I mean, you know, people get tired, and uh, oh yeah, you could just fell asleep, and he happened to be in a window and." He fell out and he died. And then Peter's like, what? Are you, he died? Listening to you preach? Yeah, don't worry. Uh, with the help of Christ, I brought him back from the dead. So he's going to be fine. Maybe a little traumatized, but that's ah, good for, put a, put a little hair on his chest, you know? Am I right? Yeah? Get a little, build a little character? Uh, I don't know. That's kind of how, how I saw it, and I, and, I, and I was thinking about it, that he, in the scripture, said he was going to teach till midnight. And midnight would have been dark. And then, as we read at the end of that, it said, uh, at the end of that scripture, um, he says, uh, Paul went down through himself. Then he went back upstairs again, broke bread and ate, and after talking until daylight. So, so instead of going till midnight, he taught till daylight. So that means, so here's what I imagine. Eucatus fell out, he died. This was probably around about time they were gonna wrap up. It's dark out, you know. Paul runs down there, brings him back, and uh, as you can imagine, something like that happens, you're not, you're not gonna wanna go to sleep right away. So he brings him back, he's gonna be okay. And then he's like, let's, let's go back upstairs and uh, maybe play, do some damage control. Hey, listen, did you see the miracle that God performed here? Now he's got a whole other, sermons teach right so I feel like that's kind of what happened but <clears throat> take away all my take of what if I I'm pretending that I was there there's some seriously good nuggets to take out of the scripture as in all scripture so first is Paul obviously not acting like I just explained probably he went down and acted very similar to what Elijah and Elijah Elijah and Elijah did when they encountered the same sort of thing in 1 Kings 
in 2 Kings. So in 1 Kings 17, 17 through 24, it says, Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room to the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Then we go to 2 Kings 4, 32-37. It said, When Elijah reached the house, there was a boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on his bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hand to hand. As he stretched himself on him, the boy's body grew warm. Elijah turned away and walked back and forth in the room, and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elijah summoned Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite, and he did. When she came, he said, Take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. So God's life-giving power flowed through all three of these men that we just read, these three different scriptures. And you notice all three of them lay over the body. And now there was more description on what Elijah and Elijah did than regarding Paul, but they all laid on top of the dead bodies of these boys. Another thing all three had in common was that they didn't raise the dead on their own. They asked the Lord for him to raise the dead. Now, if I read the text in Acts 20, it doesn't specifically say that Paul prayed or called on the Lord. But if I look at Paul's character since the day on Damascus where Jesus appeared to him, I'd say Paul relied on Christ for all things. So I am sure and I can take that leap to know that Paul was calling on Christ to raise this boy from the dead. Because nothing he's ever done in any other scripture has he said, I'm doing this. He always pointed to Christ and to, to God's power rather than his own. So we see God's power flowing through all three of these men. Paul and Acts, which is in the New Testament, Elijah in 1 uh, Kings and, uh, and Elijah in 2 Kings, both in the Old Testament. So what does that say? It says that God's, God's power, God himself never changes. Just as he was able to help Elijah, Elijah and Paul, he's able to provide and help us if we obey him. When we obey him in faith, he can and will do extraordinary things. Now, I have many accounts in my life that I can only attribute to God's supernatural intervention. I often share this, these stories with others, and, and I think that oftentimes too many, like miracles will happen, extraordinary things will happen, and it's kind of chalked up to 
coincidence or, or maybe even these people are afraid to say what really happened, that they, they can point to God because they're, they're afraid of ridicule and, and, and afraid they'll have to defend their, their stance. And I think that they keep these to themselves. But instead, I think we should be sharing these stories and, and telling people that God is still in control and God still does miracles. In Hebrews 13, 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. I mean, I know I have a daughter who I believe was born from God's miracle. When she was born, he intervened and, and brought her to life. I have a, a spider story from a mission trip that I can contribute to God getting me through it through a scary time. Uh, I have a McRib miracle that I can share with unbelievers where something as simple as a McDonald's McRib would lead me to see God do something amazing. Now, my wife doesn't like me to share that miracle, but I do. What can you do? So anyways, I guess the point is God still performs miracles. God can use us to do incredible things. And yes, I still believe he can use us to raise the dead if he so chooses. But we must stay strong in our faith and believe we can. We have to believe that it's true. I mean, Jesus said that if we had the faith the size of a mustard seed, we could move mountains or make a tree uproot itself and plant itself somewhere else. Now, I believe everything in the Bible. You may, you may or not, but I do. I believe it's the Word of God. And if he says that it is possible in Scripture, I believe that it is possible that I could do this. So that's the point. God still performs miracles. We can do everything. We have to stay faithful. We have to be obedient and faith to him and, and do his, his will. Go where he calls us. Live like he wants us to live. And the secondary point today is don't waste your time with Star Wars and or unless you have insomnia. Then it might be beneficial to give it a shot. That's all I'm saying. All right. So that's what I have today. Hope you have a great week and I will see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.